Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. So, I see the preaching professor out here somewhere. Dr. Williams, where are you? So I can zero in and make sure that I make a point to look at you once in a while and know I'm talking directly to you. But um, <laughs> preacher, how many incubator preachers we got in here? Preacher, preacher type guys, maybe someday, Lord willing, the creeks don't rise. Okay, good, good. All right, so I want you guys to know that sometimes... And I've heard some of you talk about this, that when I preach, I've got this box, right? The invisible box. Is that right, Ben? Sometimes I move the box. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes chop wood, right? Okay. So whenever you see me doing the box and I'm moving the box, don't let that distract you, okay, from the message. Thank you. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by Him and apart from Him. Nothing has come into being that came into being. In the beginning, this Word, God, created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and water was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. This Word that was there as a creator, it says in John 1:14, He became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The presence of God from the beginning has been something that is startling to me every time I come across it reading in the scriptures. Today I want to just kind of do what, uh, it's not a topical sermon, it's not an exegetical sermon, okay? It's going to be a topogetical kind of a sermon. So, But I want us to look at the scriptures and just look where the presence of God uh, sort of manifests himself. Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit as our advocate, that's our theme. And you cannot talk about the advocate without talking about the presence of God and the Holy Spirit being our presence. Hope I remember my code here. So, ah, good. So, if you want to open your Bibles, I want to go to uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And that's where we come across this term that we're going to be looking at today. And John, who just, I just quoted a little bit ago from his gospel, talking about this word that became flesh, he talks here in 1 John chapter 2, and by the way, this is written to Christians, so I just kind of cringe whenever I hear people using this to talk to non-Christians about how they can have their sins forgiven. I, this is not where this scripture has that. We're, we've got plenty of places for that, but not here. This is written to Christians. And John, writing to Christians, says, Little children, these things I'm writing to you, uh, so you may not sin. But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And then he defines who that is, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And this word advocate, as I tap here on my screen, says parakletos, an intercessor, a consoler, an advocate, a comforter. Well, now that rings a bell, doesn't it? Because we find John telling us that um, back in his gospel, John 14 through 17, he records where Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send my advocate. I'm leaving now in the flesh. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to be seated at his right hand. But I'm going to send you one who is just like me. And in fact, it is me. (laughs) I'm coming back in the Spirit. And we find plenty of places in Scripture where that took place. Um, So we have this advocate now with us. And this advocate is none other than Jesus the Christ, the righteous. The presence of God. It's, It's fascinating to me that even the presence of God is at the end. And there's a very special presence that's waiting for all of us. This past year, I've I've had three of my loved ones pass away, as they say, they died. My my oldest son, my mother, and my father, and also three men that I would call my friends, some close, some not so close, but there's been a lot of loss in my life this last year, and this scripture sort of sounds good to me. I, I heard a voice, a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, The tabernacle, the presence of God, is with men. This is Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And he will dwell with them and with his people. And he himself will be our God to dwell with us as their God. What a comfort to know that God has an eternal presence for us. But his presence is here and now, too. Just because Jesus uh, went back to the Father and is seated at his right hand doesn't mean that he doesn't have a presence with us now. Because he said, I promise you, I'll give you my advocate. Let's look at that for a little bit. And so I'd like to go to Mark. And I want to just kind of open up Mark here, the Gospel of Mark, and look at some places where we find this advocate at work. And hopefully, I want to inspire you, if nothing else today, to to look at the scriptures from the viewpoint, from the lens, through the lens of Jesus, our advocate, Jesus as our presence. Because even though he is seated at the right hand of God, this transcendent, almighty creator, who was the word, is also living in us, a promise that I will Dwell in you. Acts 2.38 is permanently in effect. You know, you repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. So, let's look at the book of Mark, because I find it here in the book of Mark. I don't want it in the Greek. How did I get into my Greek Bible? I the wrong way. Sorry. Okay. Um, in, in the book of Mark, I like the way Mark goes at his gospel. One of the reasons the book of Mark is, is so precious to me, too, is that I remember the first time my mom said, Richie, you got a day off here, and you're just hanging around the house and goofing off. Day offs on the ranch were rare. <laughs> and she says, uh, you know, why don't you get out the book of Mark and read the book of Mark? It's short, and, and it won't take you long, and And, you know, I think it'd be good for you to read the Bible. 
And that was the day that I sat down and started reading the book of Mark, and I couldn't put the Bible down. And I kept reading Luke, John, and that really had inspired me to begin to really read the Bible as a middle schooler. The book of Mark. But what I like about Mark is he's immediate. For those of you who know what I mean, Mark uses the word euthos or euthos, the idea of immediately. 84 times approximately in the New Testament, the word immediately comes up. And Mark uses it 40 out of those 84 times. So half of the time that the word immediately is used, it's in the book of Mark. And you'll find that as we go through. Let's open up the book of Mark, John, or Mark, John 1, yeah, okay. Mark 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right there we see that the advocate is a God of peace. The presence of God is peace. The gospel is good news. And he is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There's something new here. This is radical. John the Baptist has come to change and to make the valleys filled in and lower the hills and make a straight path for this new person that's coming, the presence of God that's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And John appeared, and he was baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This is new and radical. A baptism, it's for the forgiveness of sins. Notice in verse 7, though, John is preaching. He says, after me he comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not, un, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Another new radical thing here. Mark is pretty immediate. He's just slamming us with these radical changes that are going to take place. This advocate is going to baptize us in a way that John the Baptist couldn't with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John. He began his ministry with a figurative death, burial, and resurrection. He ended his ministry with a literal death, burial, and resurrection. We begin our ministry with a figurative death, burial, and resurrection, Romans 6, 3, and 4. He buried with him through baptism. And we end our lives with a literal death, burial, and a resurrection. And Jesus did likewise. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. He asks us to do what he's done. And it says here that after his baptism, this voice came from heaven. You're my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. See, we have an advocate that God has affirmed and confirmed and tells us, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. There is no other name given under heaven or earth whereby men might be saved other than this Jesus Christ, the righteous. Well, Mark's word, the spirit immediately. <laughs> this thing thinks I'm tipping once in a while, I guess. Your phone does that to you, it just drives you nuts. You're just like, okay, where did I go? The Spirit immediately, it says, it drove him out in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. The advocate has been tempted in every point, such as you are, and yet without sin, the author of Hebrews says. This is an advocate who can sympathize with our weakness, and he is without sin. That's why he can be our advocate. He's been tempted. He knows what it's like to be here. 
And it says the angels came and ministered to him. That, that's an interesting little statement there. This is crunch time. This is Christ's ministry on the edge of a knife blade, and it can tip either direction. If he gives in to temptation and sins, it's over. So God gives him every possible advantage to make the right choices in his temptations. Do you see that? This advocate knows what it's like to be here. And so God makes sure by sending angels to minister to him that he's going to make the right choices. He's given every advantage. We find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says that he's there. And the struggle is on. Again, the eternal consequence of all things is hanging in the balance in the garden. There he is. Lord, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But yet not my will, but your will be done. And the angels came and ministered to him there in the garden. Again, God gave him every advantage to make the right choice. And thank God he did. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And that this Christ can do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think. God has given us every advantage to make the right choices. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptations overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with each temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God has given us every advantage because he knows things hang in a balance. And that's why we have the advocate. That's why we have Christ dwelling in us. Romans 8, 13, if, he, if you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit, you will live. Oh, the, price, the, the precious presence of the advocate in us. But we must hasten on. Immediately, we have to go on. Immediately, they left their nets. Who's these leaving their nets? Simon and Andrew. Jesus comes by and he says, follow me. They did. It says immediately they left their nets. They went on a little farther. James and John, sons of Zebedee, they followed Jesus. He names them the sons of thunder. Um, they went into Capernaum immediately on the Sabbath. He entered the synagogue. He was teaching. They were astonished because he's taught as one who had authority. This advocate has authority. And in fact, we see him having authority because a, a demon-possessed person is in front of him. And Jesus rebukes this demon, says, be silent and come out of him. He's got power over the demons. James reminds us the demons tremble. They know him and they tremble. This advocate of ours is the powerful all God, almighty God creator who has the power. And people are amazed at his authority. Does Jesus have authority over your life? Is the advocate the Lord of your life? Really? This advocate goes into Simon's... Uh, Mother-in-law's house, she's sick. He just touches her, raises her up immediately. She's well. He's got power. Casting out demons, healing people. Verse 35, it says, Rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he went out and he prayed. Our advocate in the flesh knows what it is to be in the presence of God. And he takes the time to make sure that the prayer time is a time of undisturbed presence of God. 
Oh, how we need the presence of God in our lives. But he says in verse 37, everyone, or verse 37, the disciples say, everyone's looking for you. Verse 38, he says, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there for I came. That is why I came out. This is why I came. He knows his mission. He knows what he's here for. And he knows what he has to do. And he calls us to that mission. As our advocate, he says, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So our advocate knows his place. He knows his ministry and he does it. A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity. That's probably a poor word. Moved with compassion. Moved with empathy. Moved with sympathy. Jesus, our advocate, has a tender heart. Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind and tender-hearted, just as Christ Forgave you, forgive one another. Oh, the tender heart of our advocate. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. You got to stop right there. This is a leper. The, uh, lepers are not the prettiest sight, depending on the type of leprosy. A missionary friend tell me about one young boy that had leprosy and he had lost a feeling. That's one of the things leprosy can do, certain types of leprosy. And he lost his feelings and she couldn't get, there's an old rusty door she couldn't get open uh, on the mission field there. And it was an old building, they wanted to get some old tools out of there. And the boy said, here, let me try. He just went over and just grabbed that knob. And he got it open, he just ripped his hand open because he, he couldn't feel now then, those, those kind of injuries begin to take their toll in the infections. And you can imagine what a leper might look like by the time Jesus sees him. And he's a man who goes around unclean, unclean. Don't come near me, I'm unclean. And Jesus, it says he touched him. Have you felt the touch of the advocate in your uncleanness? How precious that is. Immediately, surprise, surprise, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Chapter 2, Mark. You entered Capernaum. After some days, it reported that he was at home. And many gathered there, and there was no more room even at the door. He was preaching the word. And you know the story. These guys come and bring this boy, and, and they tear the roof open and lower him down in front of Jesus. I don't know if he's a boy, a young man. Lower him down in front of Jesus on the, on the pallet there. And so here's Jesus preaching, and all of a sudden you hear this creak, creak, creak in the dust and this thing's filtering. And you, you can imagine people are looking up, what on earth? And here this thing comes down, clunk, falls in front of him. And Jesus, our advocate, says... Sons, your sin are forgiven. Now, right there, all the oxygen was sucked out of the room in an audible gasp. Like, <gasps> what? You just forgave sins? You can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus, knowing their hearts, hearing what they're saying, says, What's your problem? Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Rise up, take up your bed, and walk, or... Your sins are forgiven. Well, so you know that the Son of Man can forgive sins. I say to you, take up your bed and walk. Now, this guy's laying there a paralytic. Probably legs like broomsticks. Probably not much muscle mass left. Right? And all of a sudden, bloop, 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 and he's got muscles. 
I don't know what sound it made, but maybe it didn't make any sound at all. I know the sound it made when I tore my bicep the other day. That was not a good sound. I want you to know I did not say a bad word. I was tempted to, but I did not. But, um, but, but to have your, you know, just have your muscles just bloop, 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 and there they are. And this guy just gets up, picks up his bed, and walks. This advocate can forgive sins. That's good news, folks. That's good news. My phone is doing funny things. Oh. Ben, it's your wife. She says, don't forget the milk and the bread. Um, <clears throat> back up here. Okay, where were we? Interrupted my phone. I thought I had that muted. One Sabbath, he's going through the grain fields, and he's plucking the heads of the grain. The Pharisees are criticizing him for, for, for working on the Sabbath. And it says that Jesus said, hey, have you ever read about David and that? And then he says this powerful statement. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Don't miss this. Your advocate, Jesus the righteous, is not subject to something that he created. That is subject to him. He gave us the law. He's the giver of the law. Again, he goes into the synagogue, chapter 3, and heals a man with a withered hand. And again, he withdrew from there and takes his disciples and great crowd follow him. And more and more people and demons are being healed or being cast out and people are being healed. And the demons keep crying out, you're the son of God. Even they know who he is. It says here in chapter 3, verse 14, he appointed 12 and he got apostles. He got Simon, he got Peter, James, he named Peter. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee and John, the brothers of James. He gave the name uh, Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. What's it like to be named by Jesus? I know what it's like to be named by my parents. I was born rich. <laughs> so, actually, yeah. I was born naked, poor, and hungry, and then things got worse. But actually, I was, uh, I was born uh, rich, yeah. But, so, but, but uh, you know, we have nicknames. Jesus gave these guys nicknames, sons of thunder. They had, must have had some pretty anger moments. <laughs> Shall we say, they needed anger management classes. Um, anybody in here think they might be nicknamed Sons of Thunder by Jesus? You don't want to confess, do you? Yeah, you're not. There, there's some cholerics in this room. Come on, don't tell me there's no cholerics in here. Cholerics, not uncommonly named Sons of Thunder. Yeah, some of you are daughters of thunder. You're not willing to admit it either. But I want to come back to the Sons of Thunder thing a little bit later. Well, he names his disciples, and even all of the disciples follow him, uh, except for one, of course. We know what happened there. As Jesus goes on, he says here that his mothers and brothers came. They thought he'd lost his mind, and they're standing outside. Well, Jesus, you know, you're not even eating. You're ministering here. What's going on? It's, he answered them, uh, who are my brothers and brothers? And looking about, he said to them, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Hebrew writer puts it this way. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. We've been unclean. He's cleansed us. Ephesians 5 says that he declares us to be without spot or blemish or any such thing. Why? Because we have his righteousness. Colossians 3, 3, you died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Cleansed by him, standing before him righteous and good. And therefore... Having been cleansed, 
Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren. Don't ever be ashamed of the gospel because he's not ashamed of us. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Again, the advocate asks us to not put our lamp under a basket. Um, He calms a storm. He's at sea, and he's asleep in the boat. You know the story. Our advocate, again, displaying the fact that he is the creator, the almighty God, and he's in charge. Well, they come to this gathering demoniac, they call it here in in Mark chapter 5, the man tearing around in the tombs and that sort of thing. And you know the story how these demons come to him. And and it's really interesting. They say, in the name of God, we adjure you, don't cast us out. What? That's another study for another time. But he, he cast these demons out. And this man who was legion, it says that, verse 15, they came to Jesus. They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. I'll just stop there for a second. We really need to appreciate our advocate, the Holy Spirit of God and his work that he does in us and through us and around us. And this work that he does with this man, the powerful work of taking a demoniac-possessed, crazed man, gashing himself and terrifying people, And they come, and here he's seated, clothed, and in his right mind. Whenever I am in a counseling room, I try to remember that that room might be, just might be, the only sanctuary that those people that I'm talking to have found. That might be the only place in their life where they feel safe, where they feel at home. And I want to remember that it's because the presence of our advocate is there. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. I frequently hear counselees say, "I, I really look forward to coming here. I feel safe here. It feels good to be here. And I know it's because of the presence of our advocate. Oh, how we need a sanctuary and a dwelling place that's safe. And that's why it's so wonderful to know that our advocate is the healer. He's the place we can come. He's the one we take with us when we go to those bedsides of the people who stand in anguish. As someone's dying, helpless we stand. And I know at that point, (laughs) I'm the presence, but the advocate is the true healer and the real presence of God in their lives. I learned a a lesson as a young preacher. I had only been a full-time preacher for just a few months, actually, and my parents came to visit, and my father said, I'll go with you. I had to do a hospital call. A man was going to have some heart surgery, pretty serious stuff. And I wanted to go be with the family, with him, and pray. And 
So we went up to Eugene, went to the hospital, and my dad was with us there, and we sat there in the waiting room with the, the family, and I prayed with them, and we talked, and I was there several hours, and as I was leaving, the surgery was successful, the man was okay, the family was relieved, we were answered prayer, we thanked God for that. As I was leaving, the, some of the members of the family came, they hugged me, and they just thanked me profusely, oh, thank you for being here, Rich, it meant so much to us. And... Me still being a guy who doesn't accept compliments well because of the shame stuff I got going on in my own life, I said, oh, it was nothing, really. It, I, it was nothing. It's okay. Nothing. As we're walking out in the parking lot, my father, who'd never been to Bible college and really didn't know his Bible very well, but he knew a lot of things in life anyway, he said, Rich, when somebody says to you, thank you, and, and thanks you for that, he says, you demean them when you say, oh, it was nothing. To them, your presence was very important to them today. Don't, don't demean people by not accepting their thanks. And I thought, i got to put that away. For my dad, who I really didn't respect spiritually at that time, I, do, I grew to appreciate him later, but I'm just saying, wow. How true. The presence. You're the presence of God. When you walk into somebody's life, you're the presence of God. You have become the, the carrier of the advocate, so to speak. What a powerful, awesome privilege to know that you have the presence of God in your life and you can take him with you wherever you go. So, can I encourage you to be careful where you take him? When you go into your room and you shut the door and the presence of God is with you, where are you going to take him? To your computer? Or are you going to be on your knees? There was a song, a very old song, came out in the 70s. You guys probably don't even know it or remember it, but I do. It meant a lot to me as a baby Christian because it kind of summed up the idea of Isaiah 53 in a poetic sort of way. He was despised and rejected by men. He was oppressed and afflicted. Surely our grief he has suffered himself. Surely he carried our sorrows. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord God laid on Jesus that day the iniquity of us all. What made him willing to be fulfilling our own salvation while his blood was spilling? He took our railings and all his failings upon himself while his hands they were nailing. His words of love even then were pursuing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. For even death could not keep him from saying, I love you. He was saying to the world, 
I love you. I can get around an advocate like you, like that, can't you? Beautiful promise as he's ascending into heaven. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.